Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Amen, church. Amen. So we get into the message today. I know I felt like the Lord was leading me into that moment today with us. Because we come into this place sometimes feeling overwhelmed and burdened. So it's good to take a deep breath. So with all humility and sincerity, as we're covering this topic of suffering, we are all, we are all in a place of suffering, including myself. Experiencing pain, sorrow, the, all the emotions that come with it. And, and I want to reassure everyone, it is okay to feel like Job sometimes. I think Pastor had messages. It's okay for us to have all these emotions, these questions and doubts in our life. But I want to reassure you, what I've been learning in the midst of suffering is that our raw authenticity in the presence of God brings about true serenity when, when we're going through suffering. Let me say that one more time. The raw authenticity in the presence of God brings about true serenity in our suffering. What does that mean? That God is with us no matter what we go through. And I believe as we're talking about suffering today, uh, God is going to be here with us. Amen? Amen. So I had the opportunity of talking about Job. As you know, Pastor covered Job last week, and he named it God of the Turnaround, right? He, he named that God was with Job. He blessed him, gave him a double portion for all the things that he had to go through. Uh, Pastor and Pastor Linson spoke about the first few chapters of Job, and they covered all the things that are happening in, in the heavenly realms, the narrative that is happening between the accuser, Satan, God, and the angel, and all the things that happened to Job, right? He lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his possessions, and that was happening in the first few chapters. Today, I am covering the middle portions of Job, and let's be honest. Those of you guys that are watching, uh, reading Job, how many of you skipped over the middle portions of Job? Yeah, I have some people laughing. It's true. I mean, um, it can be hard sometimes to read all those poetry and the dialogue that is happening between Job and his friends. And sometimes it's really long. It's really long to understand all those things that are going on. But I ultimately think as I was reading these words, and I, I went into full extent to read every single dialogue that was happening between Job and his friends, and it felt like the Lord was really blessing me through, through those conversations. And I started to realize why those middle portions in Job are so important to the whole context of Job. So if you haven't gotten a chance to read the middle portions of Job, uh, your homework, your assignment for this week is to go back and read it again, because I promise you, it will really, truly bless you if you do that. Um, so the sermon topic, the title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is Whose Voice is Speaking to You in Your Suffering? Can we say that again? Whose Voice is Speaking to You in Your Suffering? Uh, I wanted to name this talk different things. As I'm going through my notes, I'm thinking about what this talk will be named. I was like, should I name it, whose voice are you listening to in suffering? Whose voice is more audible in suffering? But for some reason, the word speaking really stood out to me. And it, the word speaking carries a lot of weight. And if you're highlighting this word, it is urgent to recognize, it is urgent for us to recognize which voice 
is speaking to us in our suffering. So that's why I landed on that word speaking because it's so important to us. So today as we're looking at the middle portions of Job, let's, and let's, let's talk about a little bit about what is going on. Just for those, just to give you a refresher. It's a lot that's happening. Um, at this point, you guys know that Job, he lost everything. Uh, he lost his possessions, his family, ultimately his dignity. Um, so our, our protagonist, Job, is at the lowest point of his life. He is at his wit's end, the darkest moments of his life. So Job, like many of our friends, uh, come to comfort Job in his suffering. Uh, chapter 2, verse 11, if you're reading, and it says is that Job's friends came to sympathize with him and comfort him. For seven days and seven nights, Job's friends spent with Job, lamenting with him, sitting there in utter silence, not saying a word, so that they can comfort him. How many of us can say we can sit with our friends for seven days and seven nights and not say a word? It's really difficult sometimes. But this is what his friends were doing for Job. And after a while, Job completely broke the silence. He was so much in his thoughts that, you know, when sometimes you're in suffering, you're in your thoughts so much, and you think about all the pain, that I'm pretty sure this is the angst that Job was probably feeling. So what he did is, in that moment, he broke the silence, and he started to say things like this, curse the day that I was born. Uh, I have no rest in my body. It seems that trouble is following me everywhere that I go. For those of you guys that have been through suffering, you can relate to Job in this moment, Right? Uh, it's not that you're cursing God or anything. Job didn't do that. But you're cursing the day that you were born. You're, you're frustrated. You're angry. You can't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. So you start to say all these things because you're in frustration and bitter angerness. And so Job's three companions, if we can bring that graphic up, I thought I could help you guys visualize this. Um, so Job has three friends, and I'm going to try my best to say their names, Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar. Uh, this is our friend Job. Uh, he's, he's on the ground. Um, he, so they, these three friends come, and what looks like advice to Job quickly turns into blame towards him, right? They start calling him a sinner. They start saying things like, you're not a man of integrity, telling him things, since your family sinned, that's why you are being punished. They were so tired of Job's groaning and whining that they started to blame Job for his punishment. But earlier, you remember, right? They came to comfort Job. Chapter 2, verse 11. So what happened? What had changed? Their comfort uh, totally turned from comfort to condemnation towards him. They started to rebuke him and judge him of his character. So at this point, our friend Job is exhausted and tired of pleading and justifying himself in front of his friends. He's completely tired of it. So instead of listening to the voice of God, Job is disillusioned by the condemning voices of his friends. He's disillusioned because his friends are making him feel like he's crazy. His friends are telling him all these things that is not true about himself, and he's starting to think less of himself in his situation. But I wonder if he could actually hear the voice of God and what God could say in that moment. Do you remember what God called Job earlier? He called him a blameless and upright man. What if he could hear that? What if he can hear God say that to him? I'm pretty sure it would have lifted his spirits and his situation would have been a little bit different. 
Um, and as you know in scripture too, Job did spend a lot of time with God. Uh, early in the chapters, it said that Job would wake up every morning and, and he would repent for his family or he would like spend time with God in the mornings. And, and in verse chapter one, verse five, it said this was a regular custom for Job, for him to wake up and spend time with his heavenly father. So many of us can be sitting here and saying that I don't know if Job could hear the voice of God. I think he could, if you're being honest with me. I think that he could recognize God's voice because he would spend time with God every morning. Then all of a sudden, in the midst of suffering, something just completely went wrong. The communication line between him and God got cut off. Completely cut off. And it seems like Job tethered his communication line to the distracting voices in his life. And that was his friends. So the question that I want all of us to ask today is, could Job hear God speaking in the midst of suffering? Could you, can you hear God's voice in the midst of suffering? So that's what we're going to be answering today. I want to share a story. My mom is in the audience, so I love to always share stories with her because she knows all my, uh, my antics and stuff growing up. But growing up, uh, I used to listen to music really loud. Like, really loud. <laughs> like, when I would be in my room, uh, be working or relaxing, uh, I would be playing music or listening to it really loud. My mom knows this story. One day, uh, the music was so loud that our neighbors came and actually complained. They came to our house, I'm not kidding, to our front porch, knocked on the door and said, your son's music is so loud, please tell him to turn it, or turn it off. We've been listening to it nonstop for all day. And I remember, like, Honestly, that didn't change anything either. I just kept doing it. <laughs> but my mom and my wife can attest to this because I still do this to this day. Um, I would be listening to music or playing very loud that I would block out any outside noise from coming in. And anytime my mom would call me down for dinner or she would ask for help, um, I couldn't hear it. I was so distracted with what was going on in my current situation. So she would call me and eventually she'll get exhausted. Thank God God doesn't get exhausted with us. <laughs> he keeps calling us, but she got exhausted and frustrated of calling me. Eventually, since I'm a boy, I get a little hungry. I start to come out of my room um, and to encounter my mom's face of disappointment on her. And she looks at me, she's like, I've been calling you nonstop and you could not hear me. She said that uh, you were so distracted that you could not hear my own voice. Um, and obviously, in my prideful uh, nature sometimes, I would argue with my mom, I'm sorry, mom, forgive me, please. Um, I would say things like, mom, you didn't call me, you didn't speak loud enough, um, you know, you would come up <laughs> and come and get me. I would say all these things without admitting the fact that I was the one that couldn't hear her voice. You know? I was the one that was in the wrong the whole time. Um, I wonder if we do this to God sometimes, right? I, I mean, many kids here and parents can probably relate to this story, but I wonder if we do this to God sometimes, that we get so distracted by outside noises, other voices and people's opinions speak louder in our situation. We tune out and we reject the voice of God in our life. But I want you to understand, church, that God's voice is always speaking to us. Can we say that word always? Always. God's voice is always speaking to us. So why did Job have a problem of not hearing from God? I think there's a few reasons why. This is going to lead to my topic points today. The first reason that I believe that Job couldn't hear the voice of God is simply this. He was distracted by other voices. 
He was distracted by other voices. And leads to my first point, if you're taking notes, it's simply this. It's going to sound a little funny, but delete distracting voices in our lives. We live in a day and age where distraction is real. Distraction is real, right? Even when we're praying, we're thinking about something else. When we're reading the Word of God, we're distracted. Even as I'm speaking right now, many of you are thinking about what is lunch going to be? <laughs> What's on the menu today? You're probably thinking about the Amazon package that's probably going to be waiting for you when you get home. Maybe thinking about your work week or what that kind of looks like. Everyone, it's okay to be distracted sometimes because the reality of distraction is real. But we have to understand when we're in suffering, you know the devil uses distraction as one of his methods? That the devil uses distraction as a device to divert us from what God really desires from us. The devil uses distraction as his method. The enemy is in all of his might will do everything for us to focus our attention away from God to things that will ultimately destroy us. And, and the reason why the enemy uses distraction, let me tell you this. If you cannot fall into temptation, he will use distraction. He will use distraction. And the scripture says it, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care what is going on in your life. If he can't tempt you, he will distract you. He'll distract you from community. He'll distract you from spending time in the word of God. He'll distract you from ultimately being in the word because he knows that he can't tempt you. So what can he do? He'll put a diversion in your way to make you focus on something else. And though I know it sounds silly, but can we delete the, the devil this morning? Can we delete him out of our lives and say that the devil, devil, you have no authority in my life right now. That God, your authority is here in this place. The enemy has no place right now. What we're doing is we're taking that simple step and saying the enemy is not going to distract us anymore. And I believe that, that this is exactly what Job was experiencing in his life. I believe between him and his friends, his friends came to comfort him but stayed as a distraction. That his friends came as a comfort but stayed as a distraction. And because of our sin and the fallen nature of humanity, the devil will also use people to be a distraction. We don't, we don't understand that the enemy can use people in your own life to be a distraction. And that is exactly what Job was experiencing with his friends. That's exactly what he was experiencing with his friends. And at least, you know, like when we go through suffering, the first thing that we can do is to remove or delete any distraction in our lives. And how many of us have really done this? When we're going through suffering, we let other voices speak louder to us. You know, I remember like when we go through suffering, we sometimes let the doctor's notes or we let the appointments or we let the diagnosis speak louder than God's voice. And those become the loudest voices in our head. It's making us so weary that we get so distracted that, that God's voice is not clear anymore. But today, church, I'm praying that in your own lives that you would focus your attention back on the almighty presence of God. That you will start to delete the noises that don't matter in your life and you're only left with one voice. And that voice is Jesus. So this is a simple act if you just press the delete button in all the distracting voices in your life. I failed to mention one other friend of Job's. His name is Elihu. And can I get that graphic back for a visual representation? Angela, if you're there. Okay, cool. All right, <laughs> there you go. So I said there was three friends. Now there is one friend. His name is Elihu. Um, 
he is the youngest of all of the friends, and he, he's, his voice is a little bit more silenced because they don't think he has enough wisdom or whatever it may be. Um, but he gets frustrated. Honestly, he gets really frustrated, and he starts to barge in and tell Job what he really needs to hear. And Elihu, out of all three of his friends, tell Job something that all of his other friends failed to mention. And this is what his friend said. Elihu was trying to help Job discern the voice of God. Out of all of his friends, Elihu was the only one that helped Job discern the voice of God, which leads to my next point, if you're taking notes, is to, in suffering, what you need to do is discern, discern God's voice in your own life. What does discernment mean? It's to be able to pinpoint God's voice in the midst of everything else that is going on. And how does Elihu, the youngest of all of them, what is the advice that he gives Job? Let's go into a scripture portion. And honestly, after reading Job, this is like some of my favorite portions in the book of Job. I really love it. It's so beautiful. And here's what Job, this is what Elihu tells Job in, in, in chapter 33, 14 to 15. I want everyone here to pay attention to what is going on. Here's what he says in verse 13. Why do you complain to him that he responds to no one's words? He's talking about God and he's telling Job this thing. For God does speak now one way, now another. Though no one perceives it, in a dream, in a vision of the night with deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds. I'm going to continue. Job 37, 2 to 5. If you're with me today. And here's what it says. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the, and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole heaven, he lets it go and his lightning to the corners of the earth. After his voice roars, he thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain the lightnings. I want everyone to highlight this if you're in your scripture today. When his voice is heard, God's thunderous, wondrous, wondrously with his voice, he does great things that we cannot comprehend. Whew. Come on, let's get an amen for that today. Let's get an amen for that. What Elihu is telling Job that, that, bro, God is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. He has been trying to speak to you this whole time. But you are the one that didn't turn your ear towards him. He said that God has been speaking to you in your sleep, in dreams. He's been speaking to you through visions maybe even through a whisper. But not only that, but God was speaking to you in a thunderous voice. In the midst of the storm, God was speaking to you. Through the rumbling of the waves, our God was speaking to us. Oftentimes, discerning is understanding that we might be afraid of the storm. I get that, church. But what if God was speaking to us in the midst of the storm? Man, well, our understanding of suffering would be so different this morning. Whew. And what I love about this scripture, and this is what we need to pay attention to, church, as we're, we're here today. This is a thing that we all have to pay attention to. It says this, once God's voice is heard, once we hear the voice of God, and this is what scripture says, God does things that we cannot even comprehend. 
The first action is for us to hear the voice of God. That's the first action that we might do. And when we follow the first action, that's when God will continue to do the impossible. Oftentimes we pray for the miraculous instead of praying for God to be with us. We pray for all these things to happen to us in the midst of our suffering, but we don't take a moment to hear God speak to us. But here, even Elihu tells Job, all you need to do is simple. It's to hear the voice of God in your life. And once you do that, I'm telling you, your, your situation will turn around. Everyone assumes that you have to hear an audible voice of God. And I often thought that too. You know, I would pray that. I still do. I, say, I sometimes ask God, God, show me. Give me an audible voice. Let me hear your voice, God. But then I, I, I sometimes forget that God speaks to us in visions. That sometimes God speaks to us through conversations. Sometimes God speaks through us in, in our dreams sometimes. And there's moments, I don't know if many of you have been through this, but God does speak to you in your dreams. He wakes you up in the middle of the night and you, you feel unsettled because God is doing something in your mind. Right? Right? And so if we are here today and say, I cannot hear an audible voice of God, I'm telling you, church, God is always speaking to you. He's speaking to you right now. He's telling you some things that are, he's confirming in your life. And your ability and what you have to do is to discern that voice in your life. Can we give an amen to God today? Praise God. So going back to the scripture, Elihu was just trying for, all Elihu was trying to do was for Job to hear the voice of God, to direct Job's attention back to God. That's all he cared about. He cared about Job Realizing the wonder and majesty of God once again. Church, you know, when somebody is going through suffering, we are not someone's savior in suffering. I want you to understand that, right? We're not their savior. I, I leave the hard work to Jesus. You know, thank God that I don't have to do all the heavy lifting. He already does it for me. But all we have to do as a church is to point Jesus back to the glory, back to his glory. All we have to do is for our friends who are going through suffering to have a gaze of his glory. And it makes the job that we do just a little bit more easier. Amen? Right? Doesn't that seem a little bit more easier when we can just point our friends back to the cross? And our, our objective church is not to cast judgment is not to offer our best advice. I remember oftentimes, I'll be honest, like when I would go to pastoral visits with pastor, I would be prepared with like scripture, all the right things to say, everything, because I, had, I felt like I have to be the one in control in that moment. I don't know if many of you felt like that. And I would be so worried, you know, to like make sure I say the right advice sometimes. But I'm so glad that my God has already taken care of it. That I don't have to say anything. That he is already the comforter. He is a peace in their life. So the last point that I want to get to as we're going to go into a time of worship is simply this, direct other people to hear the voice of God. Direct others to hear the voice of God. Let's turn people away from their suffering and let's point them to the cross. Let's point, let's take them out of their suffering state and start to point them back to the cross. I want to show this picture one more time. Uh, Angela, if you can show those pictures with the friends. Can we go back one more? Perfect. So let's imagine what's going on, okay? Because I'm a visual guy. So at this state, what's happening is you have three friends. 
you have one friend, like I mentioned, his name's Eliyu. He doesn't come with all this advice, right? All he's doing is, Job, my brother, turn around. The cross is in front of you, right? He's pointing Job back to the cross. But you know what the beauty of pointing yourself to the cross? Can we go to the next picture? It's that everybody is faced towards a cross. They all see the wonder and the glory of God. Nobody's offering advice. Nobody's casting judgment. Everybody is looking at the wondrous cross. And I let the God of glory, almighty presence of God, take care of the work for me. And all I have to do is humble my heart and my posture has to change a little bit and humble myself in his presence. That's, that's the job that we have to do today, church. It's to point our friends, our community, those that are hurting back to the cross. Can we all look at the cross together and let the cross do something powerful in our life? In my suffering, I look to the cross through death, through loss, through heartache, grief, trauma, pain, through disease. My hope will be clinged to the cross. My hope is clinged to the cross. There was a, there was a, a, a police officer who passed away here um, in, in Richardson a f- uh, few months ago. And uh, he lost his life so tragically. And his daughter came on the stage to give like her eulogy about her father and she painted this beautiful picture of who her father was she said that even her accuser if he was alive her dad would still love him she said that even her father would forgive him and that that picture was so beautiful to me because she just kept talking about God the whole time wasn't talking about the accuser wasn't talking about the situation She just kept talking about her love for her father, her earthly father, and her love for her heavenly father. And she said a powerful statement that just like destroyed me. Like when I heard it, it just really just, just, I just felt the presence of God in me. And she said this, can we boldly stand here and say, in my deepest wounds, I saw the glory of Jesus and it astounded me. I'm gonna read it one more time for those that, that that missed it. Can we boldly stand here and say, in my deepest wounds, I saw the glory of Jesus and it astounded me. In Romans, it says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be one day revealed to us. As we're closing out this series of suffering, you got to understand that one day we're going to be in the presence of God experiencing his glory. And if we can boldly stand here and say, God, I can make it through the season of my life. God, I can make it through this heartache. I can make it through the seasons. I can make it through the doctor's uh, uh, diagnosis of me, God. I can make it through that loss, God. If I can make it right now, God, one day I'll be sitting in your presence, God, and basking on your glory, Jesus. And that's the peace that we need here today, God. And, and so I'm going to pray for us, church, as the worship team is about to go into a time of worship. If you can all just stand with me here right now. And for a moment, 
just for a moment. Just take it all in. Just take it all in and be able to experience what God is going to be doing in your life. And I pray that the almighty grace and the presence of God that passes all understanding, that peace that comes, I pray will cover you right now. Jesus, your mighty hand is here with us. And I pray these three things, Lord, that we would delete any distracting voices in our lives, the people that don't matter, who tell us things that, that ultimately are, are trying to destroy our calling, our vision, our, our purpose for you, Lord. I pray those voices would be deleted right now, Lord. Lord, I pray once again, like, like how we were young and when we were in a state of understanding and hearing your voice, God. When we were in our rooms, praying on our knees, asking God. When we were crying and asking for your presence, God. When we were, we were bitterly asking for you to come, Lord. I pray that voice would be here speaking to us again, my God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, let us discern your voice again, God. Let us hear your voice again. The last thing, Lord God, if we have any feelings of not understanding or knowing what to do, Lord, in the seasons of suffering, let us point people back to the cross. Lord, you're mighty. Give you praise. As we go into this time of worship, I really want all of us here to not take this moment for granted as the worship team is about to lead us. Leave your burdens, leave your, your worries at the cross. And let Jesus take care of it. Let's give him all glory and honor. Amen, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.